0: Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Chase Mobile App is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. JPMorgan Chase Bank, N.A. Member FDIC. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. You know, you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to
1: make it count for your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, produce online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Pushkin.
2: I'm so happy I get to finally proclaim that I'm a nerd, right? I don't got to fake like I like football anymore (laughs) for my friends and all that. That was, I've had to live like this double life forever. Like I was way cooler than I was. So I would be sitting at the Super Bowl while everybody's cheering and I would be in my phone like uh, researching who Charles Wacker is because all day long I've been trying to figure out why they call it Wacker Drive, right?
1: I'm Khalil Gibran Muhammad. And I'm Ben Austin. We're two best friends. One black. One white. I'm a historian. And I'm a journalist. And this is Some of My Best Friends Are. Some of my best friends are dot, dot, dot. In this show, we wrestle with the challenges. And the absurdities. Of a deeply divided and unequal country. And this week, the nation's leading urban historian on TikTok is joining us. Sherman Dilla Thomas joins our conversation. His tagline is, everything dope comes from Chicago.
3: We talk about what it means to be a booster for our hometown, a complicated place with a whole lot of history. I am really excited this week about the conversation we're going to have with Sherman Della Thomas. I mean, yeah, you and I are constantly talking about this balance between like, like stories of tragedy and challenge. And also like, how do we celebrate the good things that are happening?
1: Yeah, yeah. This is so central to, to everything we do. And like, even, even probably how we live of like, you know, delving into the really complicated histories of place. Yeah, I have to live with having
3: written a book, Condemnation of Blackness, which people are like, oh, that sounds that sounds really positive. It's not the celebration of blackness, but in many ways, like you need
1: both. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so even in thinking about this of, you know, what it means to celebrate a place, what it means to be a booster, something is gained and also something is lost. But here we have this guy on the show, Sherman Dilla Thomas, who might be one of the most positive people about Chicago I've ever come across in my entire life.
3: Yeah. I'm so glad you met him. I don't even know. How, how did you meet this guy,
1: man? I started seeing his videos all over the place, you know, and, and here he is like wearing white socks gear or bulls mm-hmm. gear. He, he's like holding his microphone to, to his mouth. And he is just like spitting knowledge about Chicago, like the first black. NFL quarterback, Hall of Famer coming from Chicago. Did I get that right?
3: Yeah, Fritz Pollard.
1: Fritz Pollard, you know, and he actually reached out to me because he did an episode about Cabrini Green and I wrote this book High Risers about Cabrini Green and so we met that way and you know, he did this whole episode about public housing in Chicago. Yeah, And just like I was seeing these and learning so much from them and then they, they blew up. They're all over the place.
3: They're viral. I mean, he has reportedly over 4 million views counting just from last year. I mean, who knows how many more now. And he's also started a a bus company to take people on actual tours
1: of the city, mahogany tours. This is a really incredible use of history, right? I mean, so you're a historian. And this is history that is somehow being lived and experienced outside of books even. It's it's traveling all over the place. And he's on he's on the news here, he's on television, he becomes a kind of ambassador for Chicago.
3: Yeah, man, I'm really excited to get to, to know this guy too because as a historian, it's not often the case that, one, I learned things I didn't know about my own city. Yep. And two, that you get to use history in a way that is empowering to people who live in a city, to, to think about their connection to folks who've come before them them and use that as a kind of inspiration to say, hey, you know, I should be proud walking these streets because other people have done amazing things who've come before me.
1: Yeah, yeah. And for me, I want to know like, can you both extol a place and also tell about its really complicated, difficult parts at the same time? So let's hear from Dilla. Let's go talk to him. All right. Sherman Dilla Thomas, welcome some of my best friends are yes thank you thank you brother ben for having me brother muhammad I'm truly honored to be here oh man man i mean you we're chicagoans and we're southsiders and you are chicago's favorite urban historian that's right yeah. the man the myth thank the you. legend we are super excited about this and,
3: and this is the first time in the history of some of my best friends are we have both been referred to as brother i mean uh-huh. i'm used to brother muhammad i mean that you know that kind of goes with the territory but we didn't get a twofer until now.
1: We're so excited to talk with you. You are the TikTok history lessons king. <laughs> it's amazing what you're doing. Before we get to that though, you go by the name Dilla, right? What's that about?
2: My my mother was calling me Sherm like Dealer, like D E A L E R. Got it. She used to say that I reminded her of the used car dealers on Western okay. Avenue. I could I right, I could those. get her to yep. buy any any junk ever, <laughs> and we we all knew better. Western Avenue is a street in Chicago where as soon as you get fifteen hundred dollars as a kid, you go there to buy your used car, and it's, it's going to break as soon as you get home. Everybody's <laughs> car does, but we do it anyway, and so that was that like her thing for me and the kids. heard sherm dealer, and just started calling me Dilla, okay. right? You all know, right. so that so so that's where that comes from.
3: Dilla, I love it. So, I know Ben knows you a little better than I do, so when did you get started Dylan and i and I know your your daughter was inspiration, but just for my purposes tell me tell me exactly yeah. when you got started
2: I got started right about November of 2020 okay uh we, we were all in the house yeah, yeah, and then yeah. stuck in the house with the pandemic, you know we we're all on lockdown and right. My daughter wanted to do TikToks, and the, the family told her no. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> What's I, up I with that? Snuggled... That's mean. What... I this, she well, she, she was TikTok. eight, right? She was and eight, And they right, thought so. that eight was a little too young to be on an app by yourself. So I let her, I like just downloaded it on my phone, and, you know, and everybody looking, TikTok your little heart out, right? Okay. And, um, and then, but also, I kind of figured that'd be a good way for me to just see what she's engaging in, right? You know? Yes. And... and so we did that, first she wanted to watch, then she wanted to dance. And yep. because, you know, I'm not the best dancer, we were doing like those little daddy-daughter challenges. Of course, right of course. Right? I
3: did one myself, the same thing, COVID times, little right. little daddy-daughter mix, mix tape on
2: TikTok. Yeah, you know, just bonding with the kids. And what happened was we did one, and her friend did the same one. Her friend got like 2,000 views and we got like 60. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and, <laughs> and your daughter was like, was "Dad, crushed. you suck. This is all your oh fault." Oh my you god! Can't god. Dance she was so on, mad. On
2: like, <laughs> oh, oh, not not just that, but like, she she took like a self esteem wallop. Like, why why her over me? And oh, just so man. many things, right? Yep. And so I was like, you know, I know Chicago history, baby. Let me let me feed you some lines.
3: That has to be the corniest intervention I've ever heard in my life. Let me do history on your TikTok, that is gonna blow your spot up, baby. I think the first
2: one I did was maybe telling how Chicago created the time zones for the country. (laughs) Okay, we
3: gotta hear that.
2: Let's play that clip. You ever wonder why California is two hours behind Chicago or New York is an hour ahead? Well, it's because right here in Chicago, we set up the uh, time zones for the country. And it, it got more views than the la- than what her and I did. Mm-hmm. And then so she said, Do another one and let me stand next to you. Right. Okay. She <laughs> didn't want to talk, she just wanted to stand there. And then we did and then that one got views. And then and you wow. just
1: started rolling. I just started rolling. You know, have you always been a history buff? Did you always study history?
3: Yeah, that's what I was thinking, Ben. Good question. I was thinking the exact same thing.
2: I've always been a history buff. I didn't study history. My dad was a Chicago policeman for 32 years. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he got hired on October of 1969. Mm. Uh, so so that's the pedigree I come from. And, you know, they, they talk history in squad cars. They talk history amongst each other. And then they took their kids to work with them, right?
3: Yeah. Can I ask you one question though, Dilla, about about your dad and go and going to, to work with them? Because mm-hmm. I never really thought about a kid going to work with their father who's a police officer. I used to go to work with my pops, who was a photojournalist for a newspaper, but I was just loading cameras. Were you putting like little bullets in the in the revolver <laughs> to make sure pops was was all ready to go, <laughs> locked uh, and loaded? No, no,
2: no, <laughs> not quite. You know, really, just sit down, shut up, and listen. Okay. Um, just a lot of
3: that was was a yep. security detail, because I know part of what it's in your bio is pretty spectacular. Just that your father actually uh, worked as security detail with Harold Washington. Right.
1: Yeah, who was, yeah, who was Chicago's first black mayor elected yep. in, in 1983.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He worked as security detail. He worked here. Mosley's detail. He worked by Rush's detail. You know, that that's what I'm saying. That particular time frame, right, as black politicians are making this, you know, surge they are picking their own to protect them. Mm. Chicago was unique that it had uh, started off as the Afro-American Patrolman's League. Now they call it the African-American Police League. But it was like a union inside of the union. It's the reason why they're black sergeants. It's the reason why they're black firefighters, right? They sued the city and got that famous injunction to change the entry uh, exams for both Mm -hmm. the fire and police department as well as the sergeant exams, right? You're giving us a,
1: a TikTok history lesson about the Afro-American Already, Patrolman's man. League. Already, man. It's just is.
2: like it's coming out of your pores. It started off as the Afro-American Patrolman's League. And what it was, it was a, a started by Ronald Robinson, uh, Howard Sappho. And what it was, was I'll give you an example. Right. A white cop could wear a cross to work because it's considered a religious symbol. And during the 1960s, the Black Power Movement was coming into effect, right? Going into the 1970s, right? We wore Afros, we were proud. And so Black officers would want to wear an Ankh, which is also considered a religious symbol, Mm -hmm. uh, especially uh, Egyptian religions, Kemetic religions, right? But
3: Kemetic, meaning Egyptian related, right? I mean, it's it's spelled Ankh, A-N-K-H. It's a type of cross that... We
2: would wear like a necklace, right? Meaning Egyptian related, absolutely. And black officers would get suspended for wearing their unks, but white officers would not get suspended for wearing their crosses, right? Uh, and so those are the things that activated the Afro, founded as the Afro American Police League to, to fight back. Like I said, you could see your brother being harassed by white cops. You're your brother, a cop. Your brother in blue. Your, your, not your brother in blue, your blood brother. And so. Um, you could see your Ben, you could see your brother getting harassed. Your black dude, you see your brother getting harassed by cops. You pull up, hey guys, I'm a cop. Show your badge, right? That cop would get suspended all the time for interfering with police issues, right?
3: The black cop who was interceding yeah. on behalf of somebody being harassed by a
2: white cop all would be the, the one time. Ended so that's what started it. That's what that league was founded for.
1: Yeah, it's an amazing. I mean, even telling that story. Because yeah. you're celebrating this organization and the leaders and even the work that your father did working in it. And the very reason for its founding is that cops needed to fight racism and oppression and corruption within their own ranks.
3: I wanted to just say, just as a matter of like political history, you mentioned Senator Carol Mosley Braun, who mm-hmm. is the first black female senator in the history of the nation. And she's only the second black senator at any point after the Reconstruction period. And here's a clip of Carol Mosley Braun from her 1992 run for senator. All
1: over the state, the feeling about this candidacy is electric, and it's electric precisely because people
3: know that we make that this is a watershed election, and that it's time for a change. It's time for a change in Illinois. It's time for a change in this country. I say that to say that, like, that's a really big political moment for you to be. Like as a kid on the lap of your father, who's directly connected to these people, that that for my purposes, that makes you an eyewitness to history.
2: I, I rock your 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 uh, educational brain even more. Right. I think the reason why they let me stay in the room, because when she was making I remember it like it was yesterday. We were at uh, Sherman Park. This was like July. she was mm-hmm, doing that one mm-hmm. of those vote for me campaign side. things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. On the south side. Yes, sir. And so she had like a campaign rally thing at Sherman park and she was sitting in the front. My dad was driving. Another car, cop was sitting next to me and this was mm-hmm. the Wee little league championship. And I, I chose to go with my dad and play in the Wee <laughs> little league championship. But I, I remember the conversation. She said, you know, they were like, can you believe you, you're getting ready to be the first woman ever, first black woman ever U.S. senator? And then the same thing you said, they mentioned Reconstruction. And then she said, well, that's the that's Chicago right. thing, baby, that's because right. Oscar the Priest that's was right. the first to go to Congress uh, since yep. Reconstruction, too, right? And I'm, you know, 10, 11 or something like that, but I couldn't wait to use it the next time I was around my dad. So you You cops, had that right, hunger right. to tell
1: other people.
3: Yeah, so that's
0: yeah, that's a really
3: strong impression, both in terms of like seeing this person who you know is larger than life in terms of her political achievements, and at the same time, like getting these history lessons from this same person. That's pretty incredible.
2: <laughs> I don't think I right now I'm probably like, That is dope <laughs> as hell. Right? You're like, you just, you're like oh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, I didn't have all those <laughs> thoughts then. That was <laughs> I, I promise I did not. Even most recently, right? Like the, the I just wanted oh, to be around my pops. Got it. You know. That was that was uh because he was a cop, he wasn't really home a lot, especially young ages. You know, I don't remember him at all, six, seven, eight years old. I remember one time he got shot and I celebrated because I was like he for sure finna <laughs> be wow, home. That's for a hell of a way to
3: get, get some, some quality time.
2: Man, he went wow. back to work the next yeah. day. Yeah, he got shot in his hand and they wrapped, sewed it up, whatever. And he went back the next. I was so pissed <laughs> off. At it, it must please. not have
3: been his shooting hand, though.
2: <laughs> right. That's hilarious.
3: Okay, so we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll dig into more Chicago history stories from Dilla. You can find inspiring stories almost anywhere. Message and data rates may apply. JP Morgan, Chase Begg, NA member, FDIC.
4: The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with Location Telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Musora is your access to online music lessons for guitar, piano, drums, and singing.
1: All right, we are back talking to Sherman Dilla Thomas, the Chicago booster and oral historian. So Dilla, one of your taglines is, everything dope comes from Chicago. You're like one of Chicago's biggest boosters. You celebrate this city. And, and maybe just like, you know, tell us something dope that came from Chicago that would surprise us. Give us one of these little history lessons.
2: Uh, the fireman's poll, I think, surprises most people. The fireman's poll, like it's use. As sliding down the pole comes from Chicago. It's about 1874-ish, 1875, and coming out of Reconstruction, Chicago has created an all-black fire engine. It's Engine 21. Wow. They're led by a white captain, but it's you know 12, 14 brothers that fight fires in black. This growing black neighborhoods, right? That Chicago is starting to have. If you've ever been in a fire station, you'll notice that it has spiral stairs. Mm -hmm. Every fire station in the world has spiral stairs, and then next to it. Is where the pole is. Right. The reason why the stairs are spiral is because we used to fight fires with horses. The horses used to walk mm-hmm. up the stairs and eat all the hay, and then you'd be <laughs> wow. looking for the horse and he up there sleep right. So that so they created the spiral stairs so the horse couldn't get up there. And then next to it was they had the pole for the hay loft, right? So the hay is kept up in the third floor because typically that's the hottest place, right? Hay needs to be dry, so you keep it up high in the third floor right. and the hay lofts. Right. Got it. And then it w- was held in place with a pole. And then because we lazy humans, right, when the horse needed hay, you hmm. kick the pole out the way and hay drops down. That way you ain't hmm. got to go all the way up to the third floor. So it wasn't for, for firemen sliding down it. Not at all. It was just to let the. But you know who we don't talk about enough in Chicago is the captain that like decided, his name is Captain uh, Cooley Duan. He was a okay. hero of the Chicago fire in 1871. And when he seen the black guy slide down that, that hay pole, he's the guy that was like, yo, that's genius. Go mm-hmm. ahead and sand it so y'all don't get splinters. And this is how we will respond from here on out.
1: So Dylan, I'm listening to you and like, you know, Khalil and I are both you know, we both write books. We both do tons of research. We both write about Chicago. Like, how do you get all this information? Like, how are you, what kind of research do you do? And also like, damn, man, like you got this all off the dome. What's, it, what's up? Like, you remember all this? <laughs>
2: Jay-Z ruined my life. So let's start there. I remember that, that famous interview he did where he was like, I don't write. And they was like, what? And he was like, you know, I just say my rhymes to myself over and over, and by the time I get back to the house, I don't need to write them down, right? Mm. It, it becomes an exercise. I went to Eastern Illinois University, majored in English and African American studies, and probably wrote three papers, because I would always say, let me give it to you orally, right? So when, when people read, say, like your book, High Rises, right, like- Uh-oh, oh man, good, look at him. Yeah. I, 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 jacked, I jacked so much stuff out of that book, <laughs> but then better than that, I immediately want to read the stuff that you source from, right? Right. You know, okay. and th- those are the cheats that I think people people forget about, right? We want to run the Wikipedia and, and other online sources. A lot of that stuff ain't online, man. In that in that in that way, right? You gotta like do do some digging.
1: So, so you're just, you're reading all the time and, and, and going to going to the library and picking up books. I mean, you're like just... He's reading footnotes, man. That's more than just reading. That's footnotes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm so happy I get to finally proclaim that I'm a nerd, right? I don't got to yeah. fake like I like football anymore for my friends and all that. <laughs> that was, I've had to live like this double life forever. Like I was way cooler than I was. So yeah. I would be no. sitting at the Super Bowl while everybody's cheering and I would be in my phone like uh, researching who Charles Wacker is because... All day long, I've been trying to figure out why they call it Wacker Drive, right? So, like, researching is my pastime, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I I allow an idea to formulate or I fixate on something and then, you know, I'm researching on that thing. And then out of that, you get so many, you know, breadcrumbs and and those type of things. So that's just how I pass the time.
1: You mentioned my book, High Risers, which is about Cabrini Green, a public housing complex in, in Chicago. And, and I think I wrote it for a lot of the re- reasons you're talking about what you do, is that this was a place that was demonized because of its, its poverty and also violence. And you did a TikTok related to my book. Let's uh, press the TikTok machine and listen to it.
2: Pretty impossible to discuss the history of Cabrini Green in 60 seconds. I'm going to give it a try. And that the
1: stories there were much more complex and many, many lives that needed to be, you know, and many stories that needed to be told that weren't being covered. But you did do a TikTok about Cabrini Green, and when you posted it and mentioned my book, you said I owed you a hot dog.
2: (laughs) Yeah, right. I I gotta believe, the one, I got the receipts because at least a dozen people in, I didn't just post your book, I said, buy this book. (laughs) Man, that is great. We gotta hear that clip. Despite it all, the residents of Cabrini Green had a great sense of community. Buy this book. I think the TikTok with the first posting got like maybe 130,000 views. How much are you paying for a commercial for 130,000 people? <laughs> so I'll,
1: I'll get you a hot dog if you, could, if you could tell us what is the history of the Chicago style hot dog.
2: You know, no one knows that. It's such a <laughs> wives' tale sort of thing, right? The no ketchup. The best that I can find is that there are already so many ingredients on it that you don't you don't need the ketchup, right? I can tell you the origin of like Italian beef. I love telling that story.
1: Bring it. Come on with that story. So, you know, two of the most iconic Chicago foods are the hot dog. And then, of course, Italian beef, because, you know, that deep dish pizza. Mm, I'm not really into that.
2: <laughs> Italian beef comes from how we used to uh, um, Italian grannies give us Italian beef, right? The Italians were like the last arriving immigrants to Chicago at that mm-hmm. moment. And when they used to walk into the butcher, they was discriminated against. So, you know, if you're a Yankee Protestant, right, they would sell you the sirloin or the T-bone. But, you were a darker, complected Irish lady. I mean, Italian lady. You you had to buy the rump roast, right? That's what you they would sell to you. Uh, it so was that's like not the a chit- tender the chitlins of the cow. The chitlins of the cow, right? And that's not okay. a very tender cut of meat.
1: That, yeah, that's not a great yeah. advertisement for it's, Italian it, beef.
2: It's it's not at all right. But this is what. But see. That's the beauty about Chicago, out of discrimination comes amazing shit, right? Because she was discriminated in the butchers, what did she do? She was like, okay, I ain't gonna worry about it. I'm gonna put it in a slow cooker. And when my husband leaves out for work, I'll turn it on. And by the time he gets from work, I'll turn it off. And anything you cook for fucking eight hours is gonna be the most tender (laughs) thing on earth, right? And what's the cheat? The cheat is the bread. And it don't take anything, especially if you're making homemade bread, right? Little flour, little dough, little whatever, right? You make amazing bread, she, Took that then eight hour cut and roast, the rump rice, and thinly sliced it and fed the kids, saved a little bit for his lunch, right? And then every day, more and more people are like, throw their lunch away and start asking bro for some of his sandwiches because they was really, really juicy and tender because they cooked mm-hmm. all day. And he started selling so many of his lunch sandwiches, he quit his job and, you know, Al's beef, right? Like,
1: damn, man, if you, if, you got to be careful asking you a question, it is like, <laughs> it opens one door and then another and then another. You just like, Go ahead, Khalil.
3: Well, I'm curious. So do you have any inspirations, role models, people who you have now begun to model yourself now that you've become basically the most famous Chicago historian? I mean, at this point, you
2: own that title. Well, thank you. Send this clip to uh, the city (laughs) so that they can make me the official cultural historian. I'm definitely chasing the legacy of Tamil Black. There we go.
1: Yeah, wow, Tamil Black. Let me just say, so he died one year ago at age 102. And he was, I'd say, Chicago's greatest historian um, and lived Chicago history, you know, moving here from the South, uh, being a civil rights leader, schooling Barack Obama. You know, you are living his legacy.
2: Tell us more about him. He moved to Chicago a couple months after the race riot in 1919. He was yep, an right. infant. He uh, he's the gentleman that invited Dr. King to speak in Chicago for the first time, right? Because he was already a civil rights
3: activist, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. He's a World War II veteran. Uh, he was at DuSable with uh, Red Fox, Nat mm-hmm. Tinko, Dinah Washington, Harold Washington. DuSable is
1: a high school here on the South Side. Uh, second black yeah.
2: high school, uh, second high school constructed for African-Americans in the city's history on the South Side.
1: Man, I love all that. I love Tamil Black is amazing. I had the, the great honor of, of interviewing him a couple times. Um You know, he is a Chicago booster and, you know, so are you. And I want to talk more about this idea of what it means to be so positive about a city, so positive about Chicago, because this is something this is something I actually think about all the time, Della and Khalil. You don't only
3: think about it. You you really obsess over this question because so much of your work is about pushing back against stereotypes. I'm talking to you, Ben, about like the crime and the violence and all of that.
1: Yeah, and, and at the same time, right? So I'm writing about criminal justice issues. I'm writing about poverty and segregation in Chicago. I'm writing about what the reality of Chicago. And it's also like, we're getting all these messages about Chicago, which are, are extreme, you know, whether it's like this hell hole or whether it's, you know- or Chirac. You know, That's Chirac. The one. When that movie came that. out, you were so pissed. Those are just abstractions. It's like just just the worst stuff exists in isolation without anything else but the bad stuff really is there too like and so yeah. so the struggle is like to address these real issues because it's important to grapple with them to wrestle with them because otherwise we can't we can't change them
2: how do we do both the example i use when i get asked this particular type of question i really feel like i'm preaching to the choir especially talking to you brother ben is like my daughter has asthma. We probably on our way mm-hmm. to like, go get a breathing treatment tomorrow, the way that her asthma is going today, mm-hmm. right? I'm so, sorry to hear that, man. Thank you, brother. So I understand wanting to deal with the symptoms that are in front of me right now, right? When mm-hmm. she gets to coughing, she has a runny nose, I want to give her a hauls, I want her to blow her nose, I want to get the dehumidifier in her room, right? But you know, if, if that's all I ever do, each time she gets sick, she's gonna keep getting sick. Mm. Every now and again, I got to go in the basement and check the filters, right? I got to see what's right. blowing through this house that's making her sick. Mm. Beyond that, right, I might have to get a plumber in because her room is by the bathroom to check the wet wall and see, right, if there's mold behind the walls that we can't see. What's my mm. long-winded point? When we talk about the people that got shot and the people that got killed, I am I hate that they got killed. I hate that they got shot. I think that that needs attention, but, like, that's where the stat starts and stops, right? And we don't mention that, The three people that got cured are involved in the um, STL versus O-Block war that started because Rahm Emanuel closed 50 schools. And so three kids had to cross King Drive, where formerly Mm -hmm. those kids never crossed King Drive to go to school. Then one of them got, you know what I mean? Like, spell that shit all the way out, right? Mm -hmm. And then talk about how it always, always, always goes back to some kind of systemic bullshit you know what i'm saying we usually
3: call it structural racism but i like systemic bullshit better yeah that is from the hair on out ben rest of the season is just systemic
4: (laughs) bullshit i've interviewed many
1: successful people over the years and one thing i find fascinating is many of them don't consider themselves business savvy take the owners of tight-knit brewing They turn to Chase for Business for everything from banking and payment acceptance to credit cards and do all of it in one place with the Chase Mobile app. And that's helped these brew-loving friends turn a passion into a business. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Chase Mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A., member FDIC.
4: This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Musora is your access to online music lessons for guitar, piano, drums, and singing. This is your chance to reignite some old musical passions or pick up an instrument for the first time. Connect with more than 100 of the world's best teachers and musicians. You'll get seven days
1: We are back on some of my best friends are with Sherman Dilla Thomas. It seems to me what you're saying is that the structural bullshit has to be
3: addressed also by how people see themselves in their in the history of the place they live in. that, yeah, that, that all these stories you're telling are a way of empowering young people, especially, that you should have pride of place that a lot of people did a lot of wonderful things here. And people have been fighting for justice here. You don't have to do this alone. You have this this, this inspiration. And I'm going to tell you these stories. And guess what? It's not just a couple of stories. And it's not just Black History Month, man. Mm. It is fucking TikTok every day. I get that right?
2: Every day. You know, they there's kids that go to Irvin Mollison Elementary, which is on 45th and King Drive on the south side of Chicago. Whenever I come across a kid that go to Mollison, I ask them, who is Irvin mm. Mollison? They mm-hmm. can never tell me. But then I say, have you ever read A Raisin in the Sun? All right. And they say, oh, yeah, right. With Lorraine Hansberry. Okay. Well, it was Earl Dickerson and Irvin Mollison that were his lawyers that took that case to the Supreme Court that opened up Woodlawn, right? That it allowed for, well, it, that eventually Emmett Till's mom and everybody else starts to move in, in, into Woodlawn. It's because mm-hmm. of Irvin Mollison and Earl B. Dickerson.
3: Wow. There's so much history you've packed in there. I mean, this is why you're so amazing. You know, Everyone, including my own kids, have read Lorraine Hansberry's classic work, A Raisin in the Sun. And if people haven't read it, they might have seen the movie starring Sidney Poitier. And to know that the people who were responsible for helping that Black family, her Black family, move into Woodlawn and to help ultimately to bring down restrictive covenants, one of the main ways in which Black people were segregated all across the, the, the country, including places like Chicago. That's a lot of important history you're talking about, man.
2: Why aren't the people that go, you should, as soon as you walk into Urban Mollison, it should be a sign. You should have to read it every day to graduate kindergarten. <laughs> and Then you should have to recite it by heart to graduate out of eighth grade, right? And then, then you know what I mean? But
3: Yeah, and it's, and it's kind of crazy and insane that kids who go to Mollison Elementary don't know that history, don't know the story of that civil rights struggle. That's their history.
1: And so your your TikToks are are both addressing things that we should feel pride in, and but they're they are addressing these systemic bullshit problems.
2: Yeah, for sure. Right. If you're traveling anywhere in the world, you're gonna walk by somebody with a Cubs hat or a Sox hat or a Bears hat, and then y'all gonna make this eye contact with each other, right? and Give each other that head nod. It don't matter what ethnicity mm-hmm. they are. If y'all out of town, y'all both from Chicago, it's gonna be an acknowledgement, right? Right, right? TikTok allows for that to happen. I don't see the head nod back, right? right. But when they, when they get the video and they see me, they're able to give that Chicago head yeah. nod.
3: But it also sounds like you have a huge audience outside of Chicago. And if that's true, yeah. what do you think appeals to people who are not actually Chicagoans?
2: Uh, I think they, the truth, right? Mm-hmm. You, there, you There's a natural Chicago curiosity, L.A. curiosity, New York curiosity. And hearing bullcrap sometimes sounds like bullcrap. And so... And when you mean bullcrap of like vilifying
1: the city, of saying the city yeah, is a absolutely. war zone, of saying that it's all like did you if you go in there you're gonna get shot, like it's it's dangerous everywhere you go.
2: Yep. Absolutely. Well, last year, right, I announced that we won Best Big City for five years running by Condé Nast's Reader's Choice. It's a national platform, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Chicagoans ain't sitting around filling out that survey, right? People coming to Chicago is filling out that survey. And it's true, we're, we're, we're an amazing city. I believe it was Northwestern that did a study that said it was like really, really telling, too. Like 92% of all people who get shot in Chicago had a 95% probability of getting shot in Chicago based off of the lifestyle that they were living, right? Right. And so what that makes me want to talk about is the other uh, 2.5 million of us who are outside of that number Hmm. who day by day don't get shot, right? Who yeah. the probability says we aren't going to get shot yeah. because of the amazing things, but just the, the culture and the sustainability of our city. Global warming is real. The same way that everybody's beating up on Chicago now in 50 years, they got, we're going to be right back overcrowded just because of Lake Michigan.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm still struggling with this idea of what it means to be a booster for a place. And I actually follow you because it gives me, it makes me feel good about my home. And Mm. I'm hearing things I want to hear. And I'm also walking the streets on the south side. And, you know, a car suddenly zooms up. And the first thought that is in my head is like, there's about to be a carjacking because there's actually Mm. been like two or three on the block. Like not like imaginary stuff, real stuff. And when there's a shooting at the school two blocks from me, where parents are pulling their kids out and I've got neighbors who want to move like it's not just the the that 5% that got shot it's also like all the residual effects of all this stuff which is real as as you know and like what you're really talking about is fear this fear a sense of like how do you even rationally deal with danger i mean you were talking about your father being uh, on the chicago police department for 30 years and you obviously you saw a lot firsthand and you feel great pride in what he did like even personally, how do you tell his story and celebrate what he did and also tell the story of abusive policing?
2: that's also part of the mm. story of of Chicago? You just tell it you know mm. it's it's gonna have a little bias in it because I'm a Chicagoan right my perspective is black, so maybe I'm slightly rooting for the black guy in the story a little more well, maybe. what do you but mean I, by I that? just like, it, it... I, I I try to just have a very objective perspective about the stories that I'm telling. And, and I think because of the intersectionalities of my life, it makes it makes me uniquely able to do it right, you know? Can you give an example? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, there was nothing better for me than to just watch. I, he taught me how to tie a tie at four. And so uh, I would tie his ties when he put mm-hmm. his uniform on. And I would stand there and wait to hand it to him, so he just pull it around his neck. And just seeing him put that badge on, right? Seeing him put his gun in his holster, it gave me an—he
3: was a superhero to you.
2: Your father was a superhero to you. And just not just—he he he made police superheroes to me, right? And then it could be hours later. I'm at the rink on 87th Street on the South Side with my friends, and the cop will say, "Hey, move!" And I don't move fast enough, and I got a nine millimeter at my head, Mm. right? It didn't even get enough time to register your ex and me to walk away.
1: Man, that's crazy. So a cop put a gun to your head for what? And you're you're not saying a hypothetical. You're talking about something oh, this, that this, actually happened. this
2: is happened. not this is one thousand percent what happened to yeah. me. This yeah. is a thousand percent what happened to me. I I, I was chilling. I had just got my license. This is not a hypothetical. Right. I, I I like I did all the time. Handed him his tie to go to work and you know to have a great day, Dad. And, and still felt that pride that I had been feeling my whole life.
1: And so both of those are true at the same time. At the
2: same time, man. And yeah. it, it's it's those it's so many stories I come across them all the time. I'm only emphasizing how
3: incredible this brother's storytelling is. I mean, he is he is telling stories that people ought to know. This yeah, isn't yeah. just a Chicago story. These are national stories.
2: That's the other thing about messaging. And then I, I think that's our problem as a city. like like as, you know, the people who work in City Hall, right? Whoever does our advertising, our messaging stinks. This is the worst, right?
1: <laughs> so one last question, Dilla. One last question for you. You're celebrating all these amazing Chicago things. Everything dope comes from Chicago. So Khalil and I are from Chicago. Yeah, man. We want to be celebrated. That's right. Like, you know, when you do the TikTok about us. We're making history, a white guy and a black (laughs) guy getting together. You know? We broke the color line of podcasts, you know? (laughs) When you do the TikTok about us, what's the hook gonna be?
2: Uh, Let's see who I'm gonna compare you guys to. I think I will make the comparisons. Uh, You'll be Julius Rosenwald, right?
3: (laughs) Sears, the, the founder of Sears Roebuck Company?
2: Uh, so he's the reason why you know what Sears and Roebuck Company is today. When he took over uh, as president, they were at about 200000 a year. And when he left to pursue philanthropy, Bam. totally, they were like at $200 million a year. And this is 1920s money. All right, right, so not yeah, the founder. Yeah,
3: exactly. He so just he built that. built the company into something. He much built bigger. the
2: company out, right? Okay. He's also right. he 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 created two thousand high schools in the South. John Lewis graduated from a Rosenwald school. It's a name to Google, as soon as you hear this podcast right now, Julius Rosenwald. All
3: right, ben, yeah. that's a lot, man. So I, I'm I'm like, damn. Well, what's left? So, so with that me?
2: that that would be Ben, and then I think you, brother Muhammad, you'd be. Carter G. Woodson, man, okay. you know, such <laughs> grad grad school at the University of Chicago, holding shop at the Wabash YMCA, which is on the south there side, which is there the birthplace go. of Black History Month. Uh, all all of the lectures, right? He he personally, you know, schooled so many people. He he mm-hmm. he he got Archibald Motley to to continue to paint, right? That's right. He, One he, of the he, uh,
3: Renaissance he, painters.
2: He he was he was in Chicago at such a pivotal time uh, teaching organizational skills and eventually, right, they found the Chicago Urban League. They get the Chicago branch of the NAACP. But it's a lot to do with people who were students of him while he was a student. Right. You know, so that that that, that that'd be you, too. Got it. Got it. I appreciate yeah, that. that. So good. Ben,
3: Ben's a philanthropist. So Ben, I, I, I need some money, man. I need, hey, I need hey. you to fund my next research project.
1: You know, when this serious <laughs> thing blows up, I got you. I just need this. I just need this serious <laughs> thing to blow up. But wait, <laughs>
3: you are doing so much, not just for Chicago, but for lifting up the stories of our past that we need to know—the good, the bad, the ugly. You are reminding us that for some of us, we come from greatness, meaning that, you know, people have sacrificed on, on our behalf to, to, yeah. to pave the way for others. And uh, I just so appreciate how much you are doing in that city and for your community and especially for those beautiful daughters of yours.
1: And listen, and you're also, you're also showing a love for learning, which is infectious yep. and, you know, we're feeling it. And I think, you know, everyone else who is listening to you is as well. Yep. Thank you.
2: All right. Thank you very much. I was humbled when I got the request. I really, I really am. I appreciate both you guys and the work that you doing, the the legacy you both carries. Like I say, I uh, uh I still think Ben sorta owes me a hot dog. He sold at least ten books. I do. I, I definitely do. Now, 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 after this show, I hundred percent owe you a hot dog. Thank you man.
1: guys. Hey man, you're now one of our best friends. So I hope you'll you'll come right. back and join
3: us <laughs> at some point again. All right, man. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Khalil, talking to Dilla, it's like those Russian nesting dolls. You know, you open one and there's one bit of history and then like you find out that story has 11 other stories inside of it. Yeah, well, that's I think that's part of the,
3: the beauty of studying a place is that in real time, histories are complicated places are complicated mm. and the people who make our lives meaningful to us are also complicated and yeah, yeah. and i think that's what we want to impart even in this conversation that we have every
1: week oh, god and was, I just like even thinking now <laughs> that he has committed all of this to memory you know that this is all sort of in his head and he's telling these different histories it's like it's so incredibly impressive and powerful it's impressive and, and powerful, but it also speaks to a bigger uh, moment in
3: time. I mean, in an age of misinformation, he's still fact-checking and doing research. He's still looking at books. He's still going to the library. Yeah. And I know for me, it's really important that people take facts seriously. And I think he's modeling for everybody, even in the age of, of misinformation and social media, how important it is to... To, to be grounded in, in facts and evidence and, and, yeah. and to really see history as a, as a source of empowerment for everyone.
1: That's a great point, that, that even though this is essentially online and that even if it's oral, that it is based in, in fact. And you saying that, like, I wanted, to, I wanted to ask you this, like, does the way that Dilla sees the positive in a history and raises the positive above all else, does it change at all how you think you want to tell history? No, um,
3: it, it doesn't, meaning that I don't see my histories as as negative. I see them as essential. And to Dilla's credit, I think some of the stories that he's telling on TikTok is also about the lives of people who have been killed in gang violence or random uh, bystander violence. And I think giving those people... A history of their own personal lives, a biography, a story of who they are, is not necessarily an uplifting story, but it is a story that is important to give more dimension to the context of people's lives.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think for me, I'm like that as well. That I sort of get lost in the complexity of things, and you know, he talks about the structural bullshit. uh, You know, yeah, that was one of my favorite moments. to like tell those stories, but to also show that their effects are not the totality of experience. I almost come to the same point, but from the opposite side, you know, and meet him somewhere in the middle. Um, yeah. I'm certainly like moved by him. Like I really I really do listen to him because it makes me, it makes me feel better about my home. Yeah, and and look, not for nothing,
3: the fact that he's telling these stories, which many of which are uncovered and unheard of or buried in a book somewhere, this is not just the story of how the first skyscraper in Chicago was built. That's important. He's adding so much more context to a very complicated city and we, we all should be grateful for that.
1: And I'm, I'm grateful that he is now gonna include us in that history. So, uh, well, Khalil, love you. Yeah, man, I love you too. And I'm grateful for you.
3: All right, I'm grateful for you. Some of My Best Friends Are is a production of Pushkin Industries. The show is written and hosted by me, Khalil Gibran Muhammad, and my best friend,
1: Ben Austin. It's produced by John Asante and Lucy Sullivan. Our editor is Jasmine Morris. Our engineer is Amanda K. Wong. And our executive producer is Mia LaBelle. At Pushkin, thanks to Lital Molad, Julia Barton,
3: Heather Fain, Carly Migliori, John Schnars, Greta Cohn,
1: and Jacob Weisberg. Our theme song, Little Lily, is by fellow Chicagoan, the brilliant Avery R. Young from his album Tubman. You definitely wanna check out his music at his website, averyryoung.com. You can find Pushkin on all
3: social platforms at Pushkin Pods, and you can sign up for our newsletter at pushkin.fm. To find more Pushkin podcasts, listen on the iHeartRadio app,
1: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen. And if you like our show, Please give us a five-star rating and a review. And listen, even if you don't like it, give it a five-star rating and a review. And please tell all of your best friends about it. Thank you. And listen, I, I also owe Dilla a hot dog, you know, for, for being on the show and just because I want to I wanna tell him how much I appreciate him. And, you know, in the same way that he shouted out my book, I want to give him a shout out that everyone should go and follow him. You know, on Instagram, on Twitter, on TikTok. His handle is sixfigure.com underscore dilla that's six f i g g a underscore d i l l a it's music even to say six figadilla